Kind World is sponsored by American Public Media, presenting the podcast, The Slowdown. The Slowdown offers five minutes of calm every weekday. One of the most celebrated poets of our time, host Tracy K. Smith, provides insight and poetry that offers a few moments of reflection. Listen to The Slowdown wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot of competition to be the first headline or Google result. If you want to go deeper, try on Second Thought. It's a weekly podcast from Georgia Public Broadcasting, hosted by me, Virginia Prescott. We talk with innovative thinkers, hip-hop legends, pecan farmers, and agents of change who just may make you rethink what it means to be second. Subscribe to On Second Thought for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Kind World from WBUR. You never forget your first night without a bed. Just ask Curtis Bishop. The first night is the hardest night. I found myself sitting on a bunch of steps in front of, I think it was a bank. (laughs) And when I realized that it's three o'clock in the morning and you've got absolutely nowhere to go. Before I was homeless, uh, I was an accountant. I was the type of person that really didn't even like to get dirt under my fingernails. Curtis grew up in a small town in Newfoundland, so small that he didn't encounter a homeless person until he was in his 20s. I looked at homeless people and and my first instinct was to point a finger and try to blame them with my nose held high. What he did experience early on was mental illness. I've been depressed, I think, since my teenage years. This led to a lot of drinking, a lot of drug use. My life just spiraled out of control. He was in his 30s with a failed marriage and stealing money from his job. He was broke. He felt he had to leave town. That's when he found himself alone on those steps. Your first night there, you just sort of find a piece of ground and you just lie on it. You stare up into the blackness and wonder what you're doing there. You assume that it's just a temporary thing and everything's going to be fine tomorrow. Just get through the night. But one night turned into two, turned into a month, turned into years. He slept in parks, over grates, in basements. Then he found a box spring on the street and leaned it against a wall for cover. At night, he tied his feet in a discarded child's hoodie to keep them warm. But even that shelter couldn't protect him. I'm in my lean-to in Ottawa, and uh, I remember hearing the noise, and it took a while for me to figure out that this was water or some kind of a liquid coming down. At first, I thought it was probably rain, and then realized after a while, when you can hear the voices, what's going on. And uh, A couple of young guys are coming home at the end of the night. They see my lean-to, my uh, box spring, and they decide this is going to be their target for urinating. And I turned around to crawl out of the lean-to, sort of stuck half my body out and I was about to say something. When I opened my mouth, I just just growled at them. It scared them a lot. It scared me even more. My words didn't even work anymore. By now, homelessness felt like a fixed identity to Curtis. He found some comfort in small routines. Each day at noon, he walked to a mall in Ottawa full of office workers on lunch break. He'd stand on a platform near the food court and look for people standing to leave. The secret was to get that tray of food before the cleaners got there, eat what I could, 
and then I would bust that table and make sure it was left nice and tidy and then go back to the little platform out front and uh, start hunting again. One day, it was a Tuesday, Curtis noticed that he was being watched. He worried that the man watching him would complain to management. But instead, he saw that the man had left something at his table. The table had been wiped down and the place was set with, you know, a knife on one side and a fork on the other and water and napkins. And a full plate of fresh, hot food. I was very surprised the next Tuesday. He showed up again and I watched him and I watched him and I watched him. The man did the same thing. He wiped down the same table, set it, and walked away. And he just stood there and watched and made sure I got what he had left for me. He served me with a great deal of respect and dignity. It helped me with wanting to be a person again, I think. Because this person who I look at with great respect has some respect for me, then maybe I need to have some respect for myself. I realized I wasn't invisible anymore. They never spoke, but once they caught each other's eye from across the room. We looked and we both nodded at each other and that was our communication. The ritual went on for months until one day, Curtis didn't show up. He didn't need to. The man's gesture had been the push he needed to finally get help. He got on welfare and never saw the man again. I call him my little giant because he was a short man, but in my mind, he was a, a giant among men, giant among people. Curtis Bishop lives in Toronto now, where he has a job and a home. He says when he's struggling with a decision, he asks himself, what would my little giant do? He'd love to meet his little giant again and take him out for lunch. So if you're out there, reach out. You can find all the Kind World episodes at wbur.org kindworld or on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'd love to hear from you, so share your own story of kindness with me by emailing kindworld at wbur.org. I'm Erica Lance. Thanks for listening. <laughs>